Hello, I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Welcome, everyone. This is uh, Oscar weekend. And if uh, if you got my, my birthday message yesterday online on uh, Facebook or Instagram, uh, then you also know that yesterday was Friday was my birthday. And it was the date that 125 years ago, the, yesterday, this weekend, the very first motion picture was shown in the United States by Thomas Edison. He rented out a dance hall on West 34th Street in New York City, put up his invention, his projector, and uh, showed moving pictures for the very first time in this country, just a few months after the Lumiere brothers had done so in uh, Paris. Of course, Tom Thomas Edison's idea was to use this art form as a uh, a way to tell stories. That was not the intention of the Lumiere brothers. That's why they didn't really continue on for very long with what they were doing. But we have to tip our hat to the French for participating and giving us this this incredible art form that some of us uh, spend a good time of our lives working in. So anyway, so the 125 years ago, uh, this weekend uh, in New York City, uh, and I went down there. And uh, there's a little plaque, and uh, if if I don't post it here, I'll post it on my Instagram and uh, and Facebook, and and show that to you. Also went over to Strawberry Fields and and uh, sat there for a while, listened to people with their guitars playing John Lennon songs. But uh, I want to get to the movies and uh, the Oscars here this uh, weekend. And the ones that have been nominated, I've seen virtually all of these nominees. I'd like to give you my opinion uh, and uh, encourage you to see some of them. Because let me just start with saying this. I know this has been not a good year for the movie industry. Obviously, the theaters have all been closed. Uh, The two theaters that I help run in, in Michigan have been closed since March 10th of last year. So it's not been good. And most of us have not been able to work. Uh, in this business uh, because of COVID protocols. It's just uh, too, it's been too dangerous. Now, now some work has started. Protocols have been established to protect crew and actors and directors. And uh, so maybe, maybe by the end of this year, we'll start to see some new movies, uh, certainly on the streaming services, but maybe depending on whether people get vaccinated and whether they keep wearing their masks, we can get the theaters reopened. If not, then they uh, will stay closed. And if they're not closed, if the governors of your state, uh, any of your states have reopened them, I'd stay out of them. I haven't gone into one and I won't go into one until uh, we are closer to reaching or have reached uh, what they call herd immunity. And that means about 80 to 85% of us have got to get vaccinated. You know, teenagers need to be vaccinated and, and they need to, if teenagers need to be able to go get vaccinated without their parents' permission, some of these in the, in the town where I live in Michigan, they, the school district won't vaccinate, you, know, you can get vaccinated at 16 and 17, but they won't vaccinate the kids uh, unless they have a permission slip from their parents. Since when do the parents have a say in your safety your life, whether you're going to live or die, if you're 16 or 17 years old, if you don't have that right by then, 
Well, people listening to this are going, no, Mike, Mike, no, parents have all rights. No, you don't have all rights as parents. You don't have right. You don't have a right to beat your child. You don't have a right to send your child to the hospital. You don't have a, a right to, uh, what they do in the Old Testament, sacrifice your firstborn. <laughs> you don't have a right to do that. You don't have a right to keep them home and not educate them. You have to send them to school. There's a whole bunch of laws that say that you have to do certain things when you have kids and you have to not do certain things when you have kids. And in this case, you need to get out of the way. And if your 16 or 17 year old uh, wants to get vaccinated, they should be allowed uh, to be vaccinated. That's if we're really serious about wanting to get back to what people call the old normal. I'm hoping we don't go back to the old normal. We'll have a new normal, but we're not even going to get to the new normal if we don't do this. Okay, that's my, sorry, I, I say this nearly every other episode about vaccination, wearing masks, but we're so close, my friends. Why? Why not just get over the finish line here? Anyways, that's not, today's podcast is not about that. I want to talk to you about the movies. It's what I, I do. It's what I love. I've always loved going to the movies. Jeez, when I was younger, I would go, I would, sometimes I would go almost five days of the week. If, if it was a big multiplex and there were five different films, I didn't care how good the film was. I would just, I would go to it. That's just, I don't know. I've been that way for a long time. I just love going. I even, I even like watching lousy movies. Either they're so lousy that they're funny or they're lousy in a good way where I learn something. Like, you know, I make a little note in my head. Mike, don't ever do that. Mike, see that? Don't do that. So see how helpful that is? So it's, so sometimes the bad stuff isn't so bad. But um, I just wanted to say, though, that in spite of how it's not been good for the movies in the last year and how I'm certain many of you have not seen a lot of these films that have nominations uh, this weekend, I got to tell you, there were a lot of great movies this year. And if you haven't seen them, I want to encourage you to find a way to see them. Now, I understand that they're on all these different streaming services. Each one of them charges subscription. It's very hard to do this unless you've got some serious uh, disposable income. That's why I hope, you know, the movie theaters can reopen because you should be able to see all of these in a movie theater the way they were intended to be seen. But before we get into those that are nominated, I just want to give a shout out to just a few films that I did see in the first quarter of last year before they closed the theaters, before I closed my theaters. So some of these I brought to my theater or the, the two theaters in Traverse City, Michigan. And they're so good. And I don't want them to get lost because, you know, they came out in the uh, the year of whatever. What, what are we calling? What will history call this year or two that we're in? Not World War Z, not The Walking Dead. I don't know. They'll come up with something. If not, I'll come up with it. We'll have a contest. We will all come up with a name for this awful two years that we're in here. Going on three, maybe, folks? No, let's not do that. Okay. It's up to you. It's up to all of us. So anyways, I just I just want to give a shout out to some of these films that got overlooked by the Oscars. Uh, one film is called Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. Never Rarely, Sometimes Always. You know, sometimes when you're filling out a questionnaire and they've got the four boxes, like, do you do this or that or whatever? Never, rarely, sometimes, always. So that's the title of the film. And it is a, it's a kind of film that people still are afraid to do stories about abortion. 
And this is about a teenage girl. I think she's 17 years old. Her and her cousin live in Pennsylvania, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. One of them becomes pregnant, and they decide to take the bus into New York City uh, to get an abortion without their parents knowing about it. Because, again, it's none of their parents' business. If you're 17 years old and you want to terminate a pregnancy, that should be your legal right uh, to do that. It's your body. Anyways, okay, enough. I'm sorry. Sorry for the preaching. This is such a good movie with these uh, two young actresses and the story it tells of 48 hours on a, on a trip to the Big Apple. It's, again, it's one of these movies. You've just never seen this movie before, and it's it's very powerful, and I really, really was so glad to have seen this film. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Then there's a comedy. Maybe you've seen this one, Palm Springs. This is this is so hilarious. It's it's a sort of a Groundhog Day idea of uh, you're at a wedding reception, you meet somebody at the wedding reception, and imagine the rest of your life is reliving that one wedding reception over and over and over again. So it's with Andy Samberg. It's 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 really funny, and uh, just a really smart comedy if you get a chance to see it. Another film is called First Cow. And uh, by a director I really like, Kelly Reichert. And uh, she has, again, made another uh, very... She makes these kind of quiet films. And it's set back... It looks like it's in the maybe the early days of Northern California. And, uh, you know, white men have arrived to set up camps, maybe do some mining, try to find gold, whatever. But there's no none of the basics are there in this camp. It's because it's it's the first time white people are kind of hanging out. So somebody sends down river for a cow to be sent up from I don't know the San Francisco area, or whatever, and the cow arrives on a, on a barge. And so uh, the story revolves around this guy who was a like a chef back east in his younger days and he and he was a pastry chef i think and needs milk to make these pastries for the camp and the only place where there's any milk is this cow so they start stealing the milk from the cow it's a really good movie it's called first cow if you get a chance to see it a uh, a remake of the invisible man uh, there've been two or three versions of this starting back in the 50s this one is with elizabeth moss uh, from you know handmaid's tale and mad men uh, modern version of it, really good, really smart science fiction, not just a you know scary horror film. Uh, came out at the beginning of last year, and again didn't get any notice because of the pandemic hit. The Invisible Man from twenty twenty. Then there's a film called The Assistant, uh, which essentially is uh, a, a fictional version of if if you were a woman. And you worked in Harvey Weinstein's office. Essentially, that's that's. I've told you the whole movie uh, right there, but it's so well done and so understated. Not uh, the the filmmaker doesn't come in with a hatchet and a, and a hammer and a baseball bat, but very deftly, very and in, in very nuanced ways. It doesn't become so nuanced because you just imagine yourself in that woman's shoes, uh, having to work um, in an office like that and uh, and then finally just another another kind of goofy crazy comedy but i loved it it's just one it's will ferrell at his best 
It's called Eurovision Song Contest. It's actually a much longer title. And uh, he and and his singing partner sign up for this. This is this huge thing in, in Europe and, and even into, well, other parts of the world now have their own like regional song. It's like an American Idol kind of thing. Not really, though. So they are representing Iceland in the Eurovision Song Contest. And um, it's Will Ferrell. And it's funny, and I loved it. And it's uh, there, it actually has one Oscar nomination this weekend for best song. It's this it's this big song that he and uh, his partner uh, sing in the movie, and it's hilarious. And I encourage you if you want a good laugh, uh, go with that or Palm Springs uh, for good smart laughs. Okay. So now let's let's get into uh, some of the nominated films. And these are in no particular order, and I'm not going to tell you which ones I voted for as an Academy member. And these are just they're a random bunch of films that I really enjoyed and I felt were every bit as good as any of, of the other years where you have a handful of great movies. And this past year, we had a handful of great movies, and I don't want you to miss these. Uh, because I think you'll like them. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, obviously I'm a little partisan, but I'm pulling for the art form here. And I'm pulling for the idea that we need to sit once again, someday, together, again, 200 of us, strangers in the same room, in the dark, and laugh our ass off, or cry our eyes out, or get angry at the human condition, whatever it is a movie does for you, or let you quietly sit there in a very where you could hear a pin drop, 200 people in the theater because you're all thinking this movie has made you think I want those days back. We will have them back. I'm not opposed to the living room or the TV set. I really am opposed to you watching a movie on an iPhone. Please don't do that. Okay. Just speaking as a filmmaker. Thank you. All right. So let me just go through. These are just, I won't, I won't take long here. Mank. This, my friends, this is a brilliant film. It's uh, set in the glory days of Hollywood in the 30s and 40s. And it tells the story of the screenwriter, Herman Mankiewicz, Mank, uh, the man who wrote Citizen Kane for Orson Welles. This movie is directed by David Fincher. His father wrote the script many, many years ago. His father has passed on. He decided to make his dad's movie. It's in black and white and maybe the most along with Nomad and a few others, were the most beautifully filmed movies of the year. Um, and the performance by the actors, but especially Amanda Seyfried as playing Marion Davies, who was a real-life actress back in the day. And in Citizen Kane, her fictional character is the uh, the well, what they used to call the ditzy blonde. And her performance as not a ditzy blonde, but as a very intelligent, caring, um, and um, curious adult. Remember those people? Adults that were open to seeing the world in a slightly different way? Her performance was so unexpected, and um, I have to tell you, I have not been able to watch Citizen Kane, and I, I remember, if you heard my podcast, though, week or two ago when I was uh, 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 talking to Eric Roth, the producer of Mank, 
I tried to watch Citizen Kane on Turner Classic Movies a few weeks ago, and I couldn't. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't watch it because once this version of how the film got made was presented in Mank, which is a fictional film, but is is using fiction to set, tell some greater truths, it became almost impossible. I had to turn it off. I had to turn Citizen Kane off. This film is considered by most people maybe the greatest film of all time. But what this film does, what Mank does, and what a lot of movies that are nominated this year are forcing us to do is to look backward, but with 2021 eyes. Look back to the past. How did we get here in so many ways, whether it's about gender or race or our whole situation in this country? And I'll tell you, my friends, it is hard to accept what we have watched all of our lives in the movies, on TV, the versions, versions of history that wealthy white men have wanted us to accept. And in this case, in Mank, this movie is saying that maybe we've been told the wrong thing. Maybe the way women have been treated in films for a hundred years has been the wrong thing. And what Mank is asking us and is challenging us to do is to say, uh, in the case of Citizen Kane, you know, are you going to accept this any longer? That one of the great comedic actresses of the 30s and 40s, Marion Davies, was, in fact, just a stupid, no-talent blonde, as she's portrayed, or fictional characters portrayed in the Orson Welles film. And my friends, when you stop and think about that, then you have to think about how Native Americans have been treated in the films, and of course, African Americans, and oh man, just go down the list. So many, so many revolting stereotypes shoved down our throats since forever. But when you look at the list of this year's films and when you watch these films, you start to have this inkling. Whoa, could this be the end? of the bullshit? Are we in a transformational moment, artistically, in this case, with the movies, where we are going to tell the greater truths with truth? And these truths are going to be told not by just a bunch of white guys sitting in a room coming up with the stories that they want to see. Is it over? Is it getting better? Is this year's group of movies actually better than last year's and the year before that in some ways? I think so. I hope so. I hope this is a change. And this movie, especially when you think about Citizen Kane, this movie is a huge and welcomed disruptor. Mank. See this movie. Next up on my list here is Promising Young Woman. All right. (laughs) So I guess now we're going to just continue this theme I've started on here of looking at a certain gender or a certain gender or two. This movie, Promising Young Woman, is a wrenching and brutally honest dark satire of how men of 
you know, men, you know, good guys, good guys, men of culture, men with good manners, men with education. And how they still get to assault women at random and get away with it. This film set in the present is asking us, what is your culpability in this? That, that men are still allowed to get away with this behavior. I have to tell you, I was floored by this movie and I put off seeing it because I don't know. Somebody just said, Oh, it's, it's a, a movie about rape. And it's like, Oh, and you know, and you hear that and you just, every, each of us have, you know, some people cannot watch movies that have, uh, that show child endangerment, even though we know it's a movie and they're actors and all that. Yeah. I just don't want to see that. Other people don't want to see animals being hurt, even though you're told at the end of the movie, the humane society was on the set. No animals were harmed. It's still, you know, right. You know who you are. And we're all, we all have these lines where it's just like, I don't want to see this. And I don't want to see it during this pandemic. I'm, I'm, I'm sad enough already. I don't need, I don't need this. So I stayed away from this movie for a little while. And then one night I watched it and I thought, wow, this is, this is, I did this. I've done this so many times before with previous films where you saw, I saw the trailer or I saw, I thought, no, 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 I can't take this. I can't take the world. It's such a cruel place. I already know this is the cruelty of this and how much I hate it. And, and yet, and yet I turned it on and there it was. A work of art, brilliant, brilliantly written. Carrie Mulligan playing the lead character. It, it, it's, I'm telling you, everybody listen to this. Please watch this movie. I mean, it had me on edge for two hours, but on edge in a good way. Not knowing what would happen next. It's like Carrie Mulligan plays this one woman Justice League. And she's incredible. And she isn't always doing or going to do what you think she's going to do. And her actions are actually filled with heart and substance and brains and sort of, wow, this is really, this movie is so well thought out. This is really something. You don't want to miss this, this movie. Um, and what's so wonderful about this character is that as much as she is seeking justice and revenge to men who have hurt women, she gives them more of a chance to be a human being than they would ever think to give those to whom they victimized. So again, whatever you've heard about the subject matter of the film, just just erase all that um, and and move this movie to the top of your list. Promising young woman. Next up, the trial of the Chicago Seven. Okay, you probably already <laughs> know how I feel about this movie. Uh, I had Aaron Sorkin on the podcast here a few weeks ago. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Sorkin's. Uh, if they do bring back his version of To Kill a Mockingbird to Broadway, or if it ever comes to your town, please go see it. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. He is brilliant. Um, um, and of course, you know, 
trial of the Chicago 7 set during the Vietnam War era, Chicago Democratic Convention, 1968, the police decided to have a riot and just start injuring citizens who were just peacefully protesting. It, I mean, it is rare that the history of the 60s is told in a movie with such honesty and pain and humor. No cardboard cutout characters here. Of course not. It's Aaron Sorkin. He's not going to... These are going to be complicated, complex characters. There's a diversity of, of beliefs. They are all men, but um, the one black man, the character of a real live person called Bobby Seale, so brilliant to, to see this. And, and this is what all of a sudden, there's a, at some point, very early on in the film, you're not thinking this is the 60s. It's, it's like you're, you're watching something that is really urgent and now, relevant now. Don't miss this film. The road that we are all on right now in 2021 has not met its destination. But what the hope that this film holds out for what happens if you do get involved and you do make your voice heard it's very powerful. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, who of course is Borat, plays a, a, a very comic serious role in this film. He plays Abby Hoffman. He's nominated for the Oscars this weekend for uh, Best Supporting Actor. And of course, Aaron Sorkin is nominated uh, for uh, his writing the film. This is, this is one of these rare films that gets politics right. So please see this film. You, you won't be disappointed. And sticking with the theme of political films set in Chicago in the 60s, another film that's up for Best Picture is Judas and the Black Messiah. And again, you have an intense, another intense, searing political film. This time it's about Fred Hampton, who was the head of the Black Panthers uh, in, in Chicago, the chair of the Black Panthers. And... Um, we had the director and Fred Hampton's son on, on this podcast a month or so ago uh, talking about it. And it's a great title, great film, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, I, I, for those of you listening, I should uh, give you a trigger alert here. Uh, just so you're not, you know, put into shock when you watch this movie. And here is the alert. This movie suggests that the police and the FBI deliberately murder people. There, I've said it. Take a breath if you need to. Oh, and sometimes they murder people for political reasons, which would be called an assassination. The other person killed with Fred Hampton on that night, he was assassinated. Mark Clark. I first knew of this or heard of this story because Mark Clark's family was living in Flint, Michigan. He too was assassinated by the Chicago police and the FBI. But aside from all of that, and I hate to say aside from all of that, 
aside from all of that assassination by the cops that we, our tax dollars, go to pay, this movie as a work of art is a masterpiece and you do not want to miss it. Judas and the Black Messiah. Next film up uh, for best picture here is Minari. It's about an immigrant family from Korea who decides to come to America um, and after working in California for a number of years uh, decides to move to the real America called Iowa. Right there, do I need to say more? This is a beautiful film. It is sweet, it is funny, it is heartbreaking. And it reminds us that it is not easy to be a stranger in this strange land that we live in. And most of our great-grandparents, I'm talking now to you white people, not to the descendants of slaves or the first peoples that were here, but mostly everybody else, your grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-grandparents, most of them, if they were able to get here, lived some version of this story that you see here in Minari. Of the five films that are nominated, and this is one of them, for Best Director, this is one of the three. Three of the five are directed by women. If you're not shocked by that, I just I will say as an Academy member and former board member, I will tell you for just so you have the context of this, I'm I'm pretty certain I did not look this up before the podcast. I think the total number of women nominated for best director in the past 92 years of the Oscars, the total number five, five before this year, then this year, three in this year. That's what's happening, folks. That is what is happening, and it should happen, and it is long overdue. Next up is Nomadland. This film is also a work of art. I mean like real art. It's like you're sitting in the theater. If we were sitting in a theater, we'd be looking at moving art. There's nothing like this film. Male comedians, I've been, you know, some sometimes on some of these shows this this week, or on podcasts, they've been they've been making jokes about this film. <laughs> it's because a film like this signals the sea change that we are now in. A sea that is hopefully drowning most of the misogyny that we've had to put up with it, certainly in the movies. Uh, Nomad Land is it's beautifully photographed. It stars the great Francis McDormand. Um Boy, this is this is a film for it's like a meditative feast. You sit and you watch this film and it takes your mind to places it needs to go. It's just incredible. No Madland. The last film that I saw here at the beginning of the week, just before it was time to vote for the Oscars, um, was The Father. Um I, again, I had avoided this film because of the trailer, the ads, whatever it looked like, just another Alzheimer's movie. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I, I can't take this, you know. And, you know, both of my parents are gone now. Everybody that knows that as you have to take care of your parents in the final years of their lives. If you haven't gotten that memo, by the way, if you're in your 20s or 30s, you don't need to worry about it right now. But 
I'm just saying this movie is, I don't know, it does, it, this is such a beautiful movie. Don't avoid this film. It does not seek to jerk your tears. It asks you simply to look into a future that may be yours. Yours personally or yours because of your parents. And it asks you not to fear it, but just to think about it. Each of us have parents. Some have left us. Others are still with us. And who will we be at that age? Anthony Hopkins plays the father. Olivia Coleman plays his daughter. And I'm telling you, man, acting doesn't get better than this. This is, um, I can see why it was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, in the old days, this is the film that would win Best Picture, but I'm not doing predictions on this podcast. I'm just saying that uh, if you have a chance to see this film, uh, please do. A, a couple of others. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Whoa, man. Blistering, brilliant. Uh, Viola Davis is amazing. So is the late Chadwick Boseman. And of course, this was written by August Wilson, one of our greatest ever playwrights in this country. You have, you have to see it just for that. Great writing, great characters, great American stories. And this is one of them. It will knock your socks off. This is, don't miss this film. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And then, of course, Borat's subsequent movie film. That's a much longer title, as you know. The Traverse City Film Festival that I helped to found uh, held the unofficial North American premiere of the original Borat film in 2006. So we have a special connection uh, to, to Borat. The first Borat was directed by Larry Charles, who's been on our board of directors of our film festival there in Michigan for many, many years. The sequel uh, to this first Borat, it just continues on outrageous political a a kind of perfect film for our time right now i'm i'm hoping most of you have seen this by now but if you haven't give it a watch before the oscars here it's it's nominated for two for best supporting actress uh and for um and for writing for sasha's writing for it so borat subsequent movie film Again, I'm always pushing for any film that gives us a chance to laugh during the time we're in. Just, I want to thank our, our underwriters uh, for uh, today's episode. And the first one I want to thank today is Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment. They have a huge selection of audiobooks, original entertainment, and thousands of binge-worthy broadcasts, including Rumble, with yours truly. I love audiobooks. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into the car so I can listen to them, but I have found that just putting them on my speakers here in the living room, in the kitchen, whatever, and cranking it up, clearly I live alone. I mean, I can listen to the book in the house as I'm doing work, as I'm, it's great. If you want to listen to my book, uh, it's, I do my own voice <laughs> in it. It's called Here Comes Trouble. It's uh, 24 short stories from my life. It's all, it's all nonfiction. 
things that happened to me from age zero to uh, 35 to the, the night the curtain went up on my first film. Uh, it's uh, So you can get that through Audible. My buddy Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Uh, I was there the night he recorded his audiobook at the Audible Theater. They actually have a theater in Manhattan where an audience can come and listen to the recording of an audiobook. And that's what I did there at the Manetta Lane Theater. Tom Morello speaking truth to power through stories and song. Um, also, one of my great writers from my TV series, TV Nation and The Awful Truth, my good friend Jay Martell has got an audiobook out right now called The Present. Very funny guy. So for listeners of, of this podcast, uh, you can try Audible for free for 30 days. You go to audible.com slash rumble or text rumble to 500 500. That's audible.com slash rumble or text rumble to the number 500 500 and you'll get a free 30-day trial of Audible. Also, another underwriter we have here today and who's been with us now for some time, a huge shout out to our underwriter, Raycon. When I'm listening to like the audiobooks or podcasts or music or whatever, I love using these comfortable earbuds uh, that Raycon produces. Incredible audio quality, which I'm kind of a nut about audio. Um, sometimes I will, I'll spend more money and time on the audio of my movies than I will the picture. I know you're saying, yes, Mike, we noticed. No, but seriously, it's, it's the audio that carries the story. What I really love about my Raycons is that they help me unplug. We've all been spending way too much time glued to our screens. Sometimes you just need to unplug, rest your eyes, relax, put your Raycon earbuds in and just listen to music, to a podcast, to a book. And the best part of Raycon is that they make this great sound accessible to everyone with these wireless earbuds because they start at half the price of those other premium expensive audio brands. And now they have a great deal for you, Rumble listeners. They're offering 15% off all their products. So go to buyraycon, that's B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash rumble. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. 15% off buyraycon.com slash rumble. Uh, just a few final thoughts about the Oscars and about the movies this year. Um, the documentary category, all of them, all five of them are great. Um, uh, and for one of the first times ever, I think, three of the five, the majority of them are not from the U.S. They're foreign documentaries. Makes it very interesting. Tell, to, I love, I mean, at my film festival, I, I bring a lot of foreign documentaries because they just, they do it differently and they tell us stories that we would otherwise never see in this country. So check them out uh, if you have a chance. All the shorts this year, short documentaries, short live action films, short animation, all of them fantastic. I have uh, at my film festival site right now, it's a virtual site. You can, you can go on. It's called the virtual state, the virtual state.org. 
and you go there and you can um, rent, get buy a ticket and watch uh, the, all the shorts, the Oscar-nominated shorts this year. Uh, I encourage you to, to do that. And then finally, oddly enough, this year, I have only seen one of what used to be called Best Foreign Film, and now it's Best International Film. I've only seen one of the five uh, nominees, so I don't, I'm not really, I'm not, I don't feel it's, it's right to, to make commentary on just the one film I've seen and not, I, I plan to see the others, and I probably will bring a number of them to my own film festival, but uh, um, it's it's sadly one of the categories. I just did not have time to to watch the films this year, but, but they're from, they're from Bosnia, you know, they're, uh, one of them's, uh, well, there's one from Hong Kong, and I just heard that the, uh, state TV in Hong Kong is prohibiting the Oscars from being shown, uh, because of, uh, one of the cat, one of the nominees for best foreign, best international film, and one of the nominees for uh, one of the shorts, are from Hong Kong, and they take a critical view of how uh, the Beijing government is trying to crush any dissent and and trying to create a a way that the people in Hong Kong don't want to live. So now they're going to black out the Oscars this weekend. So right there, you it makes you, you want to see the film at that point, right? So, anyways, I hope this has been some help. Uh, if you haven't seen these films I've spoken of, uh, please do. Let's uh, let's get rid of the the coronavirus so we can get back into the movie theaters and watch these movies the way those of us who make them intend for them to be seen. I have enough friends that work in the movies, fiction and nonfiction, and I know that they're dying to get back to work, except they don't want to die <laughs> to go back to work. So, But some have started. Some have started in other countries. So we'll have a new batch, hopefully, by uh, this time uh, next year. Uh, let's hope so, because I, I personally am ready to make one of three films I have. <laughs> I want to start making at some point here, like I'm, I'm backed up. I'm backed up. I need to, I need to get these films out of my system. So, um, that's my hope for this year that I will be making a movie in the year called 2021. Thank you to all of those of you who have made these incredible films. Uh, here in the last um, year. And good luck to all of you at the Oscars this this weekend. Um, I know the feeling. And, uh, well, there's nothing like it. And um, best of luck. So, everybody, thanks uh, for listening to this episode of Rumble. Uh, keep watching movies. Let's all go back to the movies when they're in the theaters, as soon as, we, as, soon as it's safe to do so. And, um, and I'll be watching the Oscars uh, with you on a Sunday night. They begin at 8 o'clock Eastern time. I'm looking forward to it. And plus, it's being conceived by the great Steven Soderbergh. So, right there, something good's going to All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to Rumble. Thank you to our executive producer, Basil Hamden, our uh, editor, Nick Quaz, and and to all of you uh, for for being listeners of this podcast. I'll talk to you real soon. Um, uh, Have a good rest of the weekend and week, and I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble.